So uh, we are drawing our, our series called Encounters with Jesus to a close over the next three weeks as we, uh, we run to Easter Sunday. And we are looking at John 12, 1 to 8. And it's my prayer this morning, and God is moving this morning, the Holy Spirit is moving. And just to, to share, you know, this is not a moment where we say, oh, that was a good service, or that was an uplifting experience, uh, or a positive morning because there was a buzz and, and things are growing. That's not why we're here. This is, right now in this space, this is a holy moment. And we are a relaxed bunch as a, as a church. You'd, you've seen that. We're quite a chilled bunch of people. Uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take God very, very seriously. And we cherish these moments. And I, I want to ask us, how do we approach these moments when we come in? Do uh, we let what happens here marinate throughout our weeks? Do we chew it over? Do we ask God each morning, what were you speaking to me about that day we gathered, that day we worshipped? Do we take notes that can come down to a practical point? Are we recording you know, what God is challenging in our hearts? We are here right now to meet the living God. And if we don't do that, we miss the point. And it's my longing that this morning that God would take us beyond being a meeting, but he would share his mission this morning. That he would share his mission, that we would have each one of us encounter etched on our hearts this morning. And I know from chatting to so much of you, so, much, uh, so many of you, I can't speak, so many of you, what is going on in your lives I know the pain, I know the setbacks, I know the dreams, I know the fears, I know the valleys, I know the doubts. God knows exactly where we're at. So I'd love to, uh, I'd, I'd love this to be an encounter moment where we meet him exactly where we're at. So we're looking at John 12, 1 to 8, and just to paint the picture, Jesus is having a meal with some of his friends, which is good. It follows a theme. Every single notice Pete said was about food. Jesus loves to eat with his friends. Uh, and it's six days before Passover. It's the biggest of the Jewish festivals. And there's parallels to this story that we're looking at in the other Gospels. Uh, there is a few differences. John is the only Gospel writer to specifically highlight Mary in this encounter. Mary being the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And it looks like at this moment in this passage that we're looking at that it's Mary's house that this is happening. And Martha, as we're about to discover, she's again busying herself serving. And Mary is again at Jesus' feet, as we, we're going to read in verse 3. And there's a reminder in that picture. Martha, I think, still hasn't learned. And Mary hasn't lost that devotion to just sit at Jesus' feet. And you can read that in Luke chapter 10 if you want to go back and look at that. And we actually spoke about that as part of our Encounters with Jesus series. You can look that on any good podcast app. And I'm sure a few good, a few rubbish ones as well. Uh, so you could check that out on po a podcast app. So we have Mary who anoints Jesus. Let's pray before we open up God's word. Lord, will you show us more than a glimpse of you this morning? You, will you increase your presence in this room? Lord, will you help us carry you into our walks and we have invite you afresh into our hearts. Lord, help us not confine this to just a meeting. And we're, we're struggling to see you beyond 90 minutes on a Sunday. That you will put people around us to encourage and point us back to you. Will we position our hearts heavenward this morning? 
Will you sharpen our concentration? We want to honor you in this space, Lord. We want to hear from you. We want to be reminded of exactly what we signed up for. And where this has slipped, we want to come before and say, sorry, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Will you shake us? Will you stir us? Will you bring us to a fresh excitement of the things of you? Will you remind us who we are and who you are? And all God's people said, Amen. Let's read John chapter 12, 1 to 8. And it'll come up on the screen as well. Hopefully. Do, do, do. Yes. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That, amen, that's the, all we're going to read of that passage just now. Such a good passage. When I was younger, there was one man that I wanted to be like above any other man. He inspired me on a weekly basis, and uh, any time I saw him, he was a role model. He stood for good things, and he always looked for the good in people. He would have his battles. He would have his defeats. There'd be moments where there'd be struggles, but he'd get back up, and he'd go about it in the right way. He would always, it would always be somebody to admire. He was a champion. Now, the man I'm talking about, and I'm sure most of you already know, was the WWF champion, Brett the Hitman Hart. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I had posters of this wrestler covering my walls. I had the VHSs of recorded shows. I had the WWF belt. I used to wear it around my waist. <laughs> and... Uh, when I was twelve, about 12 or 13, I watched this program where it showed that wrestling was fake and my world collapsed around me. Why, Lord? I was so invested. I was so invested. But from a young age, I wanted to be like him. I would practice his moves in the garden on my little sister, which she didn't appreciate. I once practiced a move on uh, one of my friend's little brothers, which then involved their parents coming to our door and asking, why did you put my son in a sharpshooter? That's like you had the person, their legs, and you pulled it back. And anyway, we won't go too much into that. I used to stroll around with a Brett the Hitman Hart sunglasses indoors. I didn't care. I'm wearing them inside. I would hum his theme music. I wanted to be like Brett Hart. And thankfully, at 34, that phase has just recently left me. No, I'm kidding. That was a good number of years ago. Have you ever met someone and you think, they have something about them, they're different, I want to be like them. There's something about when they deal with situations, they look at the world differently, they react in ways that other people can't understand, they carry hope, they speak life and love and words that carry weight and substance. There's just something about them that shines. There's a glow, there's authenticity, there's vulnerability. They stand out. Have you ever met someone like that and you think, I want, I want what they have? 
With the passage that we're looking at today, there's an example of this, where we read and think, there's something going on here. There's something about Mary, which was, it's not, I'm not going to reference the movie with Cameron Diaz anymore. There's something about Mary in this passage. The title of today's talk is Be Like Mary. And as I read this passage, I long, as I long to know more of Jesus in, in my life in a real and tangible way, I want to be more like Mary in her pursuit of Jesus. I want to be a Mary in this instance. I want that. I want to look at three tensions Mary had to overcome in this passage in her encounter with Jesus and what that teaches us this morning. Now, I use the word tension deliberately. Uh, the Latin of tension is ten, tendere, which means the stretch, the stretch. And as I thought about that more and more, that's often how our walks with Jesus can be. It can be moments of tensions, moments of stretching. Almost like, does anybody remember the Stretch Armstrong toys? Do you remember their arms would go? And I think sometimes our walks with Jesus can be just like that, where the enemy is deliberately and attempting to stretch us away from the areas that the Lord exactly wants us in, or to bring us into areas of inactivity, areas of doubt, areas of insecurity. The stretch between being in this world but not off this world. The stretch between living for Jesus or living for people and their expectations. The stretch of living for Jesus or living for reputation. Living for Jesus or financial security. Living for Jesus or living with the battles that I have, the struggles that I have. What will people think? What will people say? What I own? How I look? You know, I, the last few weeks I've felt Jesus whisper, Something is rising in our church where the shackles are loosing and there are to be some Marys rising up this morning. So firstly, we want to look at Mary steps out. Mary steps out. This, uh, the story is once told of a man who fell off a cliff. But he managed to grab a tree limb on the way down. And the following conversation happened. The man shouts, is there anybody up there? I'll do my best voice here. I am here. The, I, that sounds a bit robotic. Let me start again. I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe, but I can't hang on much longer. That's all right. I, I sound a bit Samuel Jackson. Morgan Freeman. That's all right. If you really believe, you have nothing to worry about. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. A moment of pause. Then he says, is anybody else up there? Is anybody else up there? It's just a picture of our dependency, our faith on God. I don't know if you remember the story of Malala Yousafzai, the Pakistani activist, the youngest Nobel Prize laureate who went against the Taliban to fight for girls' education. I don't know if you remember the story of, he was known as Tank Man. The unidentified man who stood in front of a column of tanks on June the 5th, 1989. The morning after the Chinese military had suppressed Tiananmen Square protests of 1989 by force. People remember that picture of one man standing in front of those tanks. 
And for those of us who know the Gospels, the disciples, the very people who followed and ministered with Jesus, left their nets, their boats, their livelihoods, and their security to go with Jesus, to follow him. They dropped their nets. They left their boats. All stories of stepping out. We are called to be a people who step out and utterly place our reliance and our dependency and our worship to him. Our time, our money, our energy to him and to do what he says. And in this passage, Mary stepped out. She stepped out. For Mary to do what she did here was unheard of. For, for Mary to do what she did wasn't what women would do at this time. What Mary did was not what the world says was to happen. What Mary did was a no-no. In verse 3, Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, commentators call this scandalous, a taboo, a taboo act. To interact at a basic level with another man was looked upon. So even just to interact, but to do what she did was outrageous. To use our hair as well was unbelievable. To use our hair. Jewish women were not allowed to let their hair down. They had to have their hair up at all times. This was improper. It was not meant to happen. But her devotion was so strong to the Lord, she stepped out. As we have our tension moments, as we leave here, as we go about our weeks, as the Lord drops a word in our, in our minds, as we know what our hearts are lean, leaning us towards, are leading us to, do we let go of the branch? Do we trust? Do we have moments where we say, okay, Jesus, it's over to you. I'm going to take that extra step. We admire a lot about Malala because the, the Taliban army were after her. I admire a lot about the tank, man. Stand, just that picture alone speaks a thousand words. The disciples, completely radical. Mary risks it all culturally, socially. She steps out. They all reached a point of not caring what other people thought. They believed and trusted wholeheartedly in what they were doing. And I wonder, I love when I'm reading God's Word, I just, I love to think, what would have been going through Mary's mind? We'll never know. We'll never know. But I know what goes through mine when God is speaking to me about stepping out to pray for that person in the supermarket or I have a word for the McDonald's drive through guy who I see an awful lot. Maybe that's down to me having too many McDonald's though as opposed to him working all the time. Inviting your best friend to church all these feelings of fear and doubt and looking silly and weak and insecure. We are to be a people that step out. Mary steps out. Where do we need to step out in the battle this week? Where is God ushering in faith and devotion to him? Where is he whispering, will you take a risk for me? Will you take my hand? Will you see what I want us to do together? So Mary steps out. Secondly, Mary brings and pours it all to Jesus. She pours it all before Jesus. Uh, 
We're now in the Easter holidays, which is great. The past few years, uh, we have went on caravan holidays. We love caravans. I love the sense of adventure of a caravan. I love, the last few times we went in April, the weather has been atrocious. But I love sitting in my caravan and the wind gusting underneath the caravan and it kind of shakes a little bit and you're like, oh, but we're all cozy in here. The wind's not getting us. And Mary's like terrified, holding on to my arm, praying, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I love the little cooker that you get and you make little, it's just, everything's smaller, isn't it? It's kind of, it's very cool. Last year, before we went, we told our son Joshua we were going on a caravan holiday. And Joshua was about three and a half at the time. And honestly, if you could bottle up his face at that moment, we're going on a caravan, showed him the picture, you could sell it. You know, if you could bottle up that emotion and that, it was just precious. It was just precious seeing his face light up and going, yes. And at that point, he ran upstairs. And we're like, okay, he ran upstairs, We'll, we'll leave him to it. And next when about 10, 15 minutes later, we hear thud, thud, thud. And we're like, oh, what's going on there? And then he runs back upstairs, thud, 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 runs back upstairs. And what he was proceeding to do was get our bags from under our bed. We keep like cases and bags. And uh, he took them all from under our, our bed in our bedroom, dragged them all into his room and took everything, I mean everything from his bedroom. He was emptying the drawers, he took all his clothes, all his toys, the pillow, he tried to squeeze the pillow into the case, the duvet cover, he kind of took the duvet cover from the duvet and he was squeezing it all into the case and then he would just push, drag down the cases with him as he went downstairs and he'd have all this stuff and it was an almighty mess but it was the cutest thing in the world. He had taken everything, everything. He wanted to take everything with him. And that picture rings true to a lot of our ways of living. We want to keep everything with us. There is a notion in our society, especially just now in a volatile political environment, climate, to protect and look after what we have, to wrap our arms around it. This is what I've earned. This is what I built up. This is what I deserve. This is mine. And please hear me, I'm preaching to myself as well as I I share this. But this week, God has been reminding me afresh of generosity and open hands. That it's not mine. It's His. And what I do, what I bring and give to Him is, is His cause. It's His plan. It's His purposes. It says, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, the pure nard that she uses was imported from northern India. And Judas says, no doubt, correctly, that it was worth a year's wages. Now, the text literally reads 300 denarii. Now, a denarius was a day's pay for a a day laborer. So you work a day, you get a denarius. And the NIV paraphrases it, taking into account feast days and Sabbaths where you wouldn't work. So a rough equivalent would be somewhere over $10,000 is what they've worked out this perfume would have cost. So that's the gross pay for someone working at a minimum wage for a year. So no wonder there was a bit of, what's going on here? What has she done? $10,000 poured over Jesus' feet. Jesus is her security. 
her safety. This perfume is valuable, it's prized, it's precious, and she pours it. She pours it. And very important that we remember that word pour in the passage. How often do we offer a little spray to Jesus? How often is it just a little spray? Here you go, Lord. Have the leftover kitty of loose change after we've sorted everything else. Have the time just before I go to bed where I'll end up half asleep. That's your little scoosh, Lord. She opens the lid and she pours it and she says, have it all, Jesus. Have it all. I love it. I love the picture of that. I love the challenge. The scoosh is not what we're to bring. I'm laughing at that line. I laughed at it as I wrote it down. But not just to bring a scoosh. Not just to bring a scoosh. We're to surrender. Just give him the bottle. I love the love that Mary has for Jesus. She literally pours herself, her future, over his feet. She says, I am yours. I want to ask us, where are we showing outrageous generosity? Where are we modeling and sowing into kingdom principles of pouring what's precious before Jesus? Are we surrendered to his plans and his purposes? His adventure that he has us on at Inverness Vineyard Church. Because if we aren't, I want to ask, are we fully in? Are we saying you can have certain parts, Lord? But the faith-filled adventure part, the part where I actually hand it over to you and don't know what's going to happen, I can't quite stretch that far. The money, no. The time, no. The energy, no. Because I'm not sure if I can trust you. And maybe that's down to a past experience. And if it is, we would so love to pray with you. Maybe fear is just driving that. And please hear me, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying be irresponsible. But what I am saying is Mary in this moment is bringing what equates to a lot for her. And she's bringing it to Jesus. What is precious to her and she's bringing it to Jesus. What provides a lot in a worldly sense and surrendering it to Jesus. I want to ask, are we doing that? Are we practicing that? Maybe it is, as Pete said, about giving to the church. Maybe we don't give. Maybe we don't give enough. Maybe we come to Jesus' feet desperate each week to receive or out of duty to tick the box of being at church. And what he wants to ask us is, what are you bringing? What are you giving? How are you serving? I've been reading a book called Letters to the Church, uh, which is just an incredible book. I encourage you to, to dig it out on, uh, or find it on Amazon and have a read. I just want to read a little bit of it uh, this morning. It says this, God wants you to resemble his son, especially when you gather with the church family. Do you show up gathering looking to serve? As some of you hear this, you feel burdened like a weight has been placed on you. You already have a busy life and you want the church gathering to be a place of rest, to be fed. If you think that just being fed will bring you the most fulfillment, you are so wrong. God promised that those who give will be the most blessed. It says that in Acts 20, 35. Takers are the most miserable people on earth. It's our inability to take our eyes off ourselves and onto others which destroys us. This is what Jesus saves ourselves from, saves us from. 
And Jesus always, always, always spoke this from day one of Mary and I having this dream to have this church in this city. If you are here this morning and you're asking or wanting, what can you get and to play it safe? You're in the wrong place. We are not going to play it safe as a church. Jesus is asking us as a church, are you in for the mission? Are you in for the adventure? Are you in for taking a bit of risk? Are you in for the journey? And then he's asking, what can you bring? What can you bring? What can you give? Mary brings and she pours it all to Jesus. So Mary pours it all before Jesus. And then finally, Mary leaves her mark. As many of you will know, we now have to have a van each week. So I'm like a van driver, and there's like a van driver community, I've, I've noticed in Inverness. They all wave, and they're like, who are you? Hi, mate, hi. Like, they're so friendly. Anyway, we have a van, and we, we get all the stuff there. Our storage isn't in the school anymore, but it's, it's good. God's got a plan, and we trust that. But one thing uh, that's, that's quite stressful is that it's an overnight lease, and one of the most heart-stopping moments is you have to go and get the van and they show you, they walk around the van and show you all the bits that are damaged. You know, all the scratches and the bumps. And the most nerve-wracking moment is when you have to return the van and you're like, oh my goodness, please let there be nothing, no marks or nothing on it. And they look around and they match up the pictures. And thankfully, they've been okay since, uh, since we've been taking a van each week. Uh, so I take pictures as well, so I'm like super vigilant. I make sure, right, okay, I see we mark there. I'll take the picture, timestamp, so I can show them. Uh, so it has to be returned just as, it, as I got it. And if, it's also the same with, like, if you go away to a cottage for a holiday, you know that mad rush when it's the last morning and you need to leave everything exactly as you found it and there's a stress because one of the cushions is slightly teared because Joshua threw it across the room and... Struan pulled a curtain down, and that, 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 that's our lives. But you have to leave it exactly as you found it. You know, the good news as followers of Jesus is that we are to, told to do exactly the opposite. And Mary shows us it by leaving a smell. <laughs> she leaves her mark. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was full of the fragrance of the story. People who visited following that encounter, wow, what's that? That smells amazing. What happened here? Well, you won't believe what happened. Mary got her pure nard, $10,000, you know, really precious. And she didn't just give a scoosh. She opened the bottle. She poured it all on Jesus' feet. Not only that, but she wiped his feet with her hair. It was the most remarkable, remarkable moment. So that fragrance that you can smell in the room, that's what happened. Wow, what generosity, what faith, what devotion. She must have really loved Jesus. She must have given her whole heart to his cause. Wow. People who visited know exactly what happened. We are not called to leave a space as we found it. We are called to change the atmosphere. We are to leave good stuff behind. I want to ask us, do we do that? 
or being totally honest. Is there some situations where we leave a stink when we leave a room? Do we leave a sour taste in the mouth when we leave a staff office or we leave a shift or we leave the house in the morning or we leave a shop? How do we think people would comment? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. How do we leave a room? Some people here this morning, it's exactly as we found it. Because of fear. Because of being seen. Being noticed. Some of us, we've been in a pattern of leaving situations in in not very good places. And I really believe there's a prophetic edge to that. That a few of us, if we're being brutally honest, don't like who we've become. And we're scared of the repercussions of changing face in that environment. And what that could cost us. We would love to pray with you if that's the case. And some of us here this morning are, are living the stuff. Living it, living that. And leaving our kingdom mark consistently. I want to ask us what camp are we in? Mary left her mark. And the fragrance told the story. I want to just finish with a quick illustration. Sorry sound guys. I'll do this right. Right. I want you to imagine uh, that this chord is eternity. Okay? So this goes on and on and on. It goes on and on and on and on. It'd be a sound person's nightmare, but anyway, just think with me a second. So I want you to imagine that this goes on and on and on and on. This is eternity. So it never ends. It never ends. And it's a timeline of our existence. So everyone here, this is a timeline of our existence. And I want you to imagine this little silver part here. So all the rest of it is black. Forget that there's a similar part on the other end, please, because it's going on for eternity. So it's, it's a black cord all the way around. And I want you to imagine that this silver part is our time on earth. Our few short years on earth. So we have all of eternity and we have this little time on earth. Some of us, all we think about is this little time on earth. Whereas what God is calling us to is to look ahead, as Paul says, to have our eyes on the prize, to run the race, to run the race, to look at what's ahead and not to focus so much on this tiny part, not to focus on that little part of getting secure in our future or thinking what other people think or worrying about stuff. This tiny little part. God is calling us to look ahead, to press on. And the key thing is, what I do during this silver part, this little part, determines how I'm going to exist for the rest of it. So what I do in this part determines what's going to happen so I want to ask us, why are, we, why are we making the focus, all the little things here? If we believe and trust in Jesus and know that we are living for eternity, we are living for to be with Jesus, to worship Him. Paul says, look ahead, forget what's behind me. So let's look ahead. When we have the stretch, when we have the decision points, when we have the tensions, when we look to be visible, 
that when we step out, that when we bring it all to Jesus and leave our mark, that we look beyond this small part of the, of the cord and have eternity in our eyes? How does that shape how we go about our weeks? How does that shape how we speak to one another? How does that shape our generosity? That's the end destination with Jesus. And everything else pales into insignificance, really. So Mary steps out. Mary pours it all before Jesus. And she leaves her mark. Why don't we stand?